Dit nou bedoel wat hy gesing het. Hoe meent het? With your whole heart when you said you can have it all Lord. Every part of my world. And then there's the promise. The breath of God. That enables you. <laughs> to give it all. And to stay submitted. To stay in his will. To stay in him. But first there needs to be. The posture of the heart that says you can have it all Lord. That's the message is. Unless you deny yourself, you cannot be my disciple, says Jesus. Die van julle wat Bijbel zit, quickly turn with me, I just want to, before I actually do the message, just set down just two verses and Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. If anyone can find that. Three. We, we, we should all know this verse very well. Because we quote it a lot. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Eh? Five and six. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Mm-hmm. What, what translation is that? New King James. Iemand in Afrikaanse Bijbel, weet Afrikaanse Bijbel is om. Yes. Vertrouw kon komen op die Heere en moet nie op jou eie inzichte staat maak nie. Ken om in alles wat jy doen en hy sal jou die rechte pad laat loop. Vertrouw volkome op God. Een kant. Hoe? Moe nie op jou eie inzichte staat maak nie. Do not lean on your own understanding. En Philip het een woord gekry wat hy net ervaar het, daar iets van dag rondom die, die helm van verlossing. Wat, wat lewe en waarheid bring. Jy moet my nou help as ek dit nie recht gehoor het by jou nie. Ja, ek denk al wat ek ervaar het is dat um, somtijds saffer ons condemnation, omdat ons nie die handel van verlossing verstaan en rarig, wat die effect van die bloed van Jesus vir ons bied nie. Ja. Is goed. Ek denk, a vijand, a enemy of an enemy of the helm of salvation is reasoning. Leaning on your own understanding. The fruit that was presented to Eve was leaning on your own understanding. Which seemed good to her. To know good and evil by herself. To be able to to know good and evil. The problem with reasoning is you can go and look at history, you can go and look at people's lives and you will always find that reasoning does one of three things. It takes the truth and it skews it a little bit to just fit into your truth. And anything, any truth that is skewed is not truth, it's false. Because there is only one truth. The other thing that reasoning does, it takes away from truth. It just leaves something out. And any truth where anything of the truth is left out is not truth. There is actually no such thing as a half truth. It is either true or false. It's a one or a zero. The other thing that it does is it adds to truth. A little sterky. But say, okay, that is war, but I'll just put this on so it suits me. And then it's not a truth. 
So what we want to do here, what we truly, truly are seeking after, is to live in the truth. To conduct ourselves after the truth. Om in waarheid te loop. In waarheid te leef. En die vijand het vir honderde, honderde, honderde jare al goeders bijgelas en gebuig en weggevat van die waarheid. Al in die dag van Jesus praat hy met die fariseers. And normally those things come out in the form of tradition. It has always been done this way. So that is why we do it this way. And Jesus speaks heavily against tradition. Not because tradition is bad, but because tradition becomes the truth, which then leads you away from the truth. And that's why he needed to make the statement, I must here stelling mark, say, ek is die weg in die waarheid. I am the truth and the way. And therefore, if we want to find the truth, we need look no further than Jesus and what he did and what he taught and how, what he demonstrated to us. Anything outside of that is not the truth. Dit is my stans op het. Second verse I want us to find. This is not the preach yet. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4 verse five, uh, 3 to 5 Wie wil gaat dit vir ons opsoek? Of net so in te gaan. I'll read it in the New Living Translation, and I can also nog in one or two other translations. Cry. <clears throat> For the time is coming, says Paul to Timothy, who is now teaching Timothy how to teach others. He's teaching Timothy how to be a good church leader. And he's speaking about the kind of things that he might encounter in church. So he says this to Timothy, he says, For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, reasoning, leaning on your own understanding. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Whatever fits into my way of thinking, whatever fits into how I see things, whatever fits into, so long that in my box I will join that church or I will go to that church. Irregardless of truth. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Now he's speaking to me. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Now before we pray, let me say this last thing. is Yesterday when, when I went to shower, just before I went to shower, I read a, I read a book. Not the whole book, a chapter in the book. Um, I'm not that good. <laughs> I read a chapter in this book, a very old book of uh, Jean Carlos Ortiz. The book's name is Disciple. And he speaks very, very straightforward and very clearly about discipleship and how to make disciples. And, and uh, this really, really spoke to me. And one of the things he mentioned in this chapter, uh, he was speaking about baptism, but I can't, really, I can't, I can't uh, remember what he said about baptism. And then later he spoke about making disciples and he made this statement, principles of discipleship. And the statement is that there is no discipleship without submission. You cannot be a disciple if you are not submitted. There's viskende, eh? 
So I went to shower and I was thinking about the stuff that I read. And then the Lord dropped in my spirit. That baptism is your sign of submission. There's a lot of other stuff that's been going and a lot of things that's arguing. I mean, this argument about baptism has been the, the first... The first person who actually started writing about this argument of baptism, of when you should be baptized, whether it's an infant or whether it's an adult, started in 220 AD. 200 years after Jesus, already this argument was going. So I'm not going to argue today. I'm not going to try and make a point or try and make a statement that says this is why this this, see, this is wrong or that's why that is right. The, I'm not going to make a theological argument for or against infant baptism or adult baptism. I just want us to see this thing in our hearts. And then you sort of go and work it out for yourself. <laughs> when will be the good time and the best time for you to be baptized. So let's pray. Lord, I stand before you in fear and trembling. With my whole heart, I want to present the truth. I want to present your truth. Not for knowledge's sake, Lord. Not so that we can gain knowledge. But so that we can be disciples. So that we can direct our lives according to your truth and your way and your will. This is not about right and wrong. This is about life and death. This is about living in the fullness of being your children, your disciples. So I ask your Holy Spirit would you speak into our hearts? Would you cut our hearts, Lord? Would you cut through all our reasoning, all our knowledge? Would you cut through, Lord? And plant truth in us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our truth. Amen. Good. So we see in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came in power with tongues. The people started doing beautiful things manifestations of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophesying, all those beautiful things. And people, onlookers went, and they said, these people are drunk. And Peter said, they can't be drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. These are the manifestations and the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God has been poured out on them, as was predicted in the days of Joel. And then he quotes Joel, he says... The Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. The young man will dream dreams. The old men will see visions. And um, daughters will prophesy. Amal, amal. Wuch, laag, onder, boe. The whole lot. No qualifications, nothing. Not learnedness, nothing. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Every single person that believes in the Lord. And then 3,000 people. The word says the Holy Spirit cut them to their heart. And 3,000 people that day believed on the Lord. I'm going to read it. Peter replied, each of you. And they said, then what must we do? We want this. What must we do? See, each of you, each of you must repent of your sins what is that? What is repenting of sins? Anybody? Turning away. Turning away. Change your thinking, literally. 
linguistically, change your thinking, change the way you think about your life. The biggest form of repentance for a new Christian is that my life is not my own anymore. My leven behoort nie meer aan my nie. I'm turning myself away from myself and I'm walking toward God. Repent, turn to God and be baptized. In the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They saw the fruit of the kingdom of God and they wanted it. So how do we get it? Jesus says, walk away from yourself. Walk away from your old life. Walk away from your old thinking. Walk away from your traditions because these guys were all Jews. Walk away and follow God. What did Jesus say? If you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself. You cannot be my disciple unless you deny yourself. It is the picture of submission. Submit yourself to God. Follow me. The Amplified says, Repent, change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it and be baptized. I want to backtrack to that 2 Timothy verse quickly. When the Lord told me to speak about this yesterday, I wanted to say no. (laughs) No, thank you. you. Yes. (laughs) Send someone else. (laughs) Because I know. I know that there's a great possibility that we will never see some of you again. But I, I will not fear persecution. I will not fear loss. I will not fear rejection. On the account of the truth. If I'm misled, if I'm deceived, I invite you to come and speak to me. But I believe I'm not. <laughs> I believe it's very clear. So I do not fear losing more people. I do not fear starting over with five that believe and are true disciples. Honestly, I don't. I've settled that in my heart. Ons gaan nog steeds volgende week al die stoelen uitpak en as ons net die twee voorste rijen vol sit, is het fijn. Of die twee achterstes. I do not fear losing any person. Because like Paul, I need to say that my conscience is clear. And if I've given the truth and you do not take the truth and you allow reasoning and tradition and all those kind of things to bend your truth, then your salvation is in your own hands. I'm sorry. Is in algeval nie in my hande nie. So ek wil net dit daar neersit. So ek gaan een paar goeders sê wat wat jy dalk nie van tevore so gehoor het of verstaan het of wat ook al nie. Um, and I invite you to make a coffee with me and let's talk about this more or whatever. <coughs> but I'm telling you now, I would not have brought this if I'm not 100% convinced. I would not have. 
So, I want to settle another thing quickly. Here he is. Believing that Jesus lived and that he even died on the cross and even that he rose again, believing that is not what saves you. What saves you is submission to Jesus. Making Him Lord of your life. I don't know exactly where that scripture is, but there's a scripture that says, no one who says Jesus is Lord can speak through a false spirit. But even the demons believe that Jesus exists. Even the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they are certainly not saved. Nee? Kom eens kijk gauw. There was a case of a man. Matthew 8, 29 says, They began screaming at him, the demons, Why are you interfering with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? So they knew Jesus. They believed he's the Son of God. So just saying that Jesus is the Son of God and just, belie- just believing that as a fact does not save you. Because Jesus said that many will call out to me, Lord, Lord. And I will say to some of you, get away from you. You never knew me or I never knew you. Ek weet, vandag is, is pak sladig. Ons het in die koshuis, toek in die koshuis was sonde aande, we call the Jack Knight. Want pak slaad ons Jacks genoem. Dit was in die daad toe, toe ons nog mag pak slaad gekry het. So dier die hele week, aan sal die koshuis vader nou, man, simpel goed, jy mag nie oor die gras loop, jy mag nie eet en praat en nie eet tafel nie, as jou kamer of jou, dit is die gefeest, gefeest onder jou bed nie, as jy mors op die vloer, dan ty in een boekie, so jy kry nou jou merkies dier die week, en dan sonde aande, dan kry jy nou soveel houses as wat jy nou merkies tegen jouself het. En dit is klaaggestoord, allemaal is klaaggestoord, so dit is net die ding, so jy mag jou pietie short, boor jou slaabroekie aantrek. Maar dan is het Jack Knight, die jylle koos, hy is allemaal in een saal, en het word uitgeroep, Jakko, vijf, so ek weet nie, ek hoop nie, hierdie voelt as a jack meeting nie. Maar wat ek wel hoop, is dat die heilige geest sal kom, en die wil cut us to the heart. Dat hy ons harte sal snij, so dat die waarheid ingeplant kan word. So ek gaan een paar goed sê, wat mens nie gewoonlik wil oorpreek in die kerk nie. So believing that Jesus is the Son of God, and even that He died and He rose again, does not save you. That fact does not save you. You must submit to Him. You must appropriate it to yourself that He took away your sins. Jy moet jouself deel daarvan maak. Jesus say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. In other words, you become one with it. You appropriate it to yourself. Unless you make yourself one and put yourself in that place, that die flesh wat daar uit mekaar uit geslaan is, that flesh that was broken on that cross was mine. That blood that was poured out on the cross was for my sins. Unless you make that your own, then you will be saved. And if you truly make that your own, your heart will take the posture of surrender. Your heart will take the posture of lordship. Your heart will take the posture that he deserves everything about me because I am not my own, I am his. I surrender to you. And therefore I call you Lord. I don't call you Lord because the Bible says you are Lord. 
I don't call you Lord because you hold a certain position. He did not hold any lordship position when he was man on earth. And Termefan, but Anner means a lord, Salnum, landowners, and all those kind of things. He was in no way did he look like or act like or anything like a lord. He even said to my disciples, we will not lord it over anybody. We will serve them with love. We will give ourselves to them. We will lay our lives down to them. And that makes him Lord. So believing it in your heart or in your mind will not save you. You have to have that revelation through the Holy Spirit. That what he has done on the cross is for me. And I take it for myself. And because I receive what he has done, I call him Lord. That is what changes your life. Knowledge does not change your life. Knowledge about Jesus does not change your life. Coming to that understanding of what he did for you changes your life. The act of baptism does not save. You are not saved when you get baptized. Ek weet, ek sikkel nou met jou theologie. Ek weet het. En ek sal het weer sê. You do not get saved when you are baptized. It doesn't save you. One of the arguments in 220 AD that this one church father, I can't pronounce or even remember his name, spoke out against is that the people believed that infant baptism replaces Besnydenis, circumcision. So because the babies were circumcised and then brought into the covenant with God, now you can baptize a baby and now I can baptize a baby and that brings them into the covenant. They are applying old covenant ritual to a new covenant which has got nothing, it's not the same. We read very clearly in Galatians 5. Let me go there. Iso, ja, kom eens lees. 5.5 But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness, God, the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised. You either place your faith in a ritual or you place your faith in Christ. Can you all 20? There is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Galatians 3. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen the picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your, uh, your lives in the Spirit, why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard in Christ. Uh, in the same way, Abram believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abram then are those who put their faith in God. Gaan lees Galasiers. 3, 4, 5, die hele ding gaan oor hierdie een ding. Own effort versus the Holy Spirit of God. Living in your own effort, doing it right in your own effort, making your own plans to get saved, versus God saving you and the Holy Spirit filling you, and grace coming upon you to enable you to walk in the way of God. That's pretty much, volgens my understanding, wat Galatians vir ons sê. So, the statement that I'm making is that baptism on itself does not save you. 
en ons het een baie duidelike geval in handelinge. Acts 8, vers 9, leer, luister gauw hierdie story. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years. Uh, amazing people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. So he was a ex of a sorcerer. That means I could to have a Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because um, for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon, um, come upon them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so, uh, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking that God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. You have not been made righteous. You are not righteous before Him. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. But just earlier it said He believed and He was baptized. But He did not receive salvation. The transforming work of God did not take place in him because his conversion was selfish. His conversion was about him. His conversion was about power. His conversion was about, I want more, I want more. Dit wat ek het, is nie meer genoeg nie. Because he was addicted to astounding people and people thinking that he was the man of God. And I, I, we had friends over yesterday and we spoke about this thing. And I will speak out against it. Preachers who preach prosperity. They lure you in with your own selfish desires. They sell Christ to you as an answer for your problems. Instead of selling Christ to you as the one who can help you. Deny yourself and live for others and serve others and love others the way he loved others. Love the unlovable. Instead of selling Christ as the one who is the way to the Lord, to the Father. Instead, Christ is the way to an airplane and to a mansion and to a Ferrari. En ongelukkig, this is the truth. This is what happens. Gaan kyk in Nigeria. What is happening there? Africa is dark with this stuff. But not just there. USA. I have no problem with mega churches. But what would happen if those preachers would start preaching out and say, do you truly believe, are you sure that you are saved? Are you sure that your conversion is true? Ek verhaat vandag, is jy seker? Is jy seker dat jy het Jesus jou Heere gemaakt? That you would lay down your life for Him and for the truth.
Onthou dat antwoord wat je dan je hart geeft. In het Nieuwe Testament, Jesus in no way made baptism optional. He did not even say, wait until you feel you're ready. The pattern we see is that the moment people have a revelation of their salvation, the moment people have a revelation of, I want to submit my life to Jesus, their first action is, I want to be baptized. Why? I liken it to a husband and a wife wanting to get married. Ek wil vastmaak dat ek behoort aan niemand anders nie. Ek wil vastmaak dat ek my leven leer leef vir jou. I want to fix it. I want to fix it in front of witnesses. I want to fix it in front of the heavens. I want to fix it in front of Satan. That I belong to Jesus. That I give my life to Him. I surrender my life to Him. He is my Lord. And therefore you have no more power over me. Sin has no more power over me. Because I've laid down my life to the Lord. Not because I've gone through the water. Not because I've been baptized. Not because because I have given my life to the Lord. I've laid down my life to the Lord. And the baptism, the going into the water and the getting out is the, is the sign of it. Because we've just seen that you can, be, you can go through the water and come up and have no change in your life. Unless it is a sign of your submission to God. It has no power in your life. It's an outward expression of an inner conviction. It's quite vandag. But it's burning in me. Jesus says in Luke 14, 26, say, if you want to be me, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison, hate everyone else. His words. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. How many people have received a conviction that they should be baptized, and then they say, oh, but what will my father think? What will my mother think? What will my brother think? What will my wife think? What will my husband think? Who are you loving more? Who are you submitted to then? What will my church think? I was baptized when I was in the Ingekerk. Serving in the Ingekerk. Are you his disciple? There's no discipleship without submission. Later in Luke 14:33, he says, So you cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. What is I giving up? What is thy everything? It belongs to you. My life belongs to you. Ek weet dit is soos een groot pil wat hier so sit. You know what, we live in a society. People don't want to get married. Men want to take everything from women and not give them his surname. They want all the benefits with no commitment and no submission. Women want someone to look after them, to care for them, to love them, to cherish them without taking their surnames. Because it takes submission. Submission has become a word that you will let break. 
in this society. No one wants to hear that word. We actually joke about it in our, in our community meetings, community leader meetings. If, if you talk about submission, it's like, <laughs> don't say that! But it is the illness of our society. Where it's so clear in the Bible, even amongst us, amongst brothers and sisters, Paul says to the Ephesian church, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because you submit to the Lord, submit to one another. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He submitted himself to the will of God even unto death. Now the Holy Spirit says to you, go and say sorry to your wife. I will not. She does not deserve that. She started it. No, but I'm asking you. No, but, but I'm asking you. I will submit, Lord, to you. Because you are my head. And even though I am the head of my wife, you are my head. And if you ask me to love my wife even unto death, I will love my wife even unto death, even though she doesn't deserve it. There is no life without submission. Let me finish with a statement the Lord gave me in the shower. This is where the whole baptism thing came in. En ek weet, hierdie gaan jou klap. I'm sorry. I believe this to be the truth. If you are not willing to be baptized, you have not submitted to Jesus as your Lord. I'm saying that. If you truly made him your Lord. He says to his disciples, go. Make disciples. And baptize them. As a sign of submission. As a sign that they have, they have come under my lordship. He says to Nicodemus, he says, no one can come into the kingdom unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Kingdom means rulership. No one can come under my rulership and into my kingdom unless they have first submitted themselves wholeheartedly. And the proof of that it's a, simple, it's a simple question, the Lord, like I asked my wife, will you marry me? I know she loves me, I know she's devoted to me, I know she'll give her life for me, I know she'll fight with me just for my sake, so that I can be better and grow. I know that she loves me with everything in her. But until she says, yes, I will marry you, it will always be hanging. She can walk whenever she wants to walk, she can do whatever she wants. She can have other husbands. She can do whatever she wants. But if she says, yes, I will marry you. I'm not saying that you are my wife because we are married. You are my wife because my heart belongs to you and your heart belongs to me. But he will make that fuss. In the same way, baptism is not the thing. It's the sign of the thing. It's the condition of your heart. So he's asking this simple question. He's asking this thing. He says, will you please submit yourself to me? Why? For your sake. So that you can have life. So that I can lead you on the path of righteousness. So that I can show you the true life. So that I can live in you. So that my spirit can live in you. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit can do nothing in you unless you are submitted to Jesus. Because he will not live in a rebellious heart. He will not live in a rebellious home. 
He cannot. He who has a contrite heart and a broken spirit. Hij zal die Heere ontvang. So Jesus is saying, will you submit yourself to me? Will you make me your Lord? And that will lead to life. That will lead to knowing me. That will lead to eternal life. Please. Even Jesus, who is literally God on this earth, was circumcised on the eighth day, which is the Old Testament version of baby baptism today. Even he went and got baptized. And when John wanted to argue with him, he said, don't do it. It has to be done. Do it because the Father wants it. We have to do what the Father wants. So what was his baptism? Exactly this, a sign of submission. And the moment he submitted himself, the Holy Spirit came. And the moment the Holy Spirit came, he submitted himself to the point where he had not yet prepared it. Well, following what we read, but he took him to the desert for forty days to be tested. Why? I needed to submit myself to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit says, here is a place where I can come and I can rule, I can let my kingdom come. And then the Holy Spirit took him. And then he started ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. And every single thing he says about himself, I can do nothing that I do not see the Father doing. I live a life of submission. I do nothing of my own. I don't make my own decisions. I do... If Jesus, who is God, does not make his own decisions, why do we want to reason even about this little thing? When you take away all the benefits of baptism, because we're not consumers of the gospel, we're not consumers of Jesus, we're not consumers of what he gives. When you take away all the traditions and all the arguments and all the the things that's going on and to and fro and the theological things and all that, when you take all of that away, baptism comes down to this one thing. I choose to submit to God. I choose to submit to Christ. Jesus was probably circumcised because he had no choice. And in the same way, an infant has no choice and does not growing up. He grows up in the fear of the Lord, but not in submission. Different. It is only when we are submitted to God that we can be an instrument in His hands. Chase one. Yes. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Thank you. Say it again. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Second Chronicles? Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. So, I hope that maybe we see baptism just a little bit differently. That it's not a rite. It's not a ritual. It's not something that saves you. It is not something that will do anything in your life unless we are submitted. Baptism is merely and plainly a sign that I've given my life to the Lord. That I've submitted myself to Him. So here's the second thing the Lord told me. Vanmiddag. Five uur. I will be at the mall. 
at the launching place, waar die bote gelaunch word, die water is stil daar, can be baptized. If you haven't been baptized yet, and you want to submit your life to the Lord, and you know that this is your chance, I'll be there. Come be baptized. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you come. And even with my human words, which are full of errors and bends and all those things, Lord, human errors, you come and you plant. And I ask, Holy Spirit, for the sake of your body, for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of his body, and for the sake of every single one here, that your truth will set in our hearts and grow deep and bear fruit. Would you come and water? Would you come and bear fruit? I ask that you protect this word in every heart, that the enemy will not come with reasoning, with the question, did God really say, with alternatives, but that you would protect this, for I believe with all my heart this is from you, Lord. Thank you. We give you honor, we give you glory, We lift you up. Amen.